from the mortgage industry to senior pastor and the road in between. The value of authenticity and wonder when coming to the Bible. Being a young pastor means preaching every passage for the first time. Get a little feedback by asking your team, can you tell me something about last week's sermon? Watching film is the best way to step your game up and growing by becoming more clear by preaching a one-point sermon. In this episode of The Teaching Pastor, we have a conversation with Matt Hemphill, lead pastor at Prodigal Church of Orange County. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Teaching Pastor podcast. This is Craig Hill, and I'm here in, um, I mean, this is, you're down by the wedding coordinator, so you're not exactly front and center, but you're here. uh, I'm with Matt Hemphill, and he is the senior pastor, lead pastor at Prodigal Church OC, Yeah, but we're in his office here at Calvary Church Santa Ana. Yes. Yeah. How, how does that work? I, I like to think of it. I am the adopted child. So <laughs> <laughs> prodigal uh, was a church plant of Calvary. Okay. And so like a good mother, they still let me room here. <laughs> so I kind of feel like the 28 year old kid that doesn't move out of his mom's house. You're, this is the basement. This, this is, is the basement. basement of Calvary But so church. I get a, I get an office at the end of the hallway near the wedding coordinator. But this is my home. That's right. It's funny because we were walking down. And it's like, oh, he's like, hey, there's the youth guy there's the young adults guy and then it's like there's the interns and there's the <laughs> wedding coordinator. <laughs> yep and here's my office yep, right next to the janitorial closet <laughs> but this is awesome it's so great that you have this partnership totally with, with calvary church uh what has that been how i mean i guess we'll get into it because you have a really interesting story for um for the podcast you're not like a pastor of 25 years nope um even in in some way not not even like in train was in training but was kind of thrust into a lead pastor role. Yeah. So before you get into how you were thrust into that role, how often were you teaching before you were put into kind of a weekly rhythm? So before the, before you became the lead, okay. how often were you in the pulpit? Probably once a month. Okay, once a month. Yeah. And Prodigal is a church plant. How long has it been? We going? have been around for three and a half years. Okay. Yes. So for, for about two years... You were doing once a month. Switch. For actually the first year, I was doing once a month. And now for the past two and a half years, I've been doing pretty much every week. Weekly. Now, and you were, you were, one week you weren't doing it and the next week (laughs) you were. Yes. Like just, just the contours of how that kind of came about, Matt, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of the story of Prodigal and you in this role. Yeah, I mean, so when the church started, um, although it wasn't official, I, I assumed more of the associate pastor role. So I had a huge hand in our group's ministry and our worship team, and then I taught once a month. And that was the rhythm. That's what I got comfortable with. That's what I, I figured out. And then uh, things changed because I was thrust into the senior pastor role pretty much overnight. Um, I always make a joke. It kind of feels like we got a baby dropped on our doorstep. <laughs> And so my wife and I uh, seriously prayed and had yeah. to consider what are we going to do here. And so we decided let's go for it. And so that's where I quit my job. I was in the mortgage industry and mm-hmm. I quit my job to assume the full-time pastor at Prodigal Church. Which, which about two of and course, mortgage industry training is exactly like <laughs> yes. senior pastor training. They really line up well. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a seamless transition. Oh, God. Well, we joke, but I mean... You just, you dove in yeah, 
And um, I mean, just so as you think about going back a couple of years ago yep. and diving in, like what what were the hardest part? What was the hardest part of the learning curve on that? Oh, I mean, it was so much. It was before even Prodigal started, I had never held a paid ministry position. So the timeline goes from just a, a junior high, high school volunteer to associate pastor of a church plant to senior pastor of a church all within a matter of three years. So it was everything is learning on the fly. There is zero, hey, I've read about this and I know what to do. Hey, I've experienced this and I know what to do. Every decision that seemed to come our way was we were, I was figuring out what to do on the fly. And yeah. so... Luckily, I had some really good people in my corner helping me navigate a lot of these ups and downs, challenges, but truly it's feet on the ground, uh, figure it out together. Yeah. Now, there's some who might be listening to the podcast, maybe undergrads, seminarians are like, hey, sign me up. I'd love to be a senior <laughs> pastor and like, you know, I could do it tomorrow. Like, yep. what would you say to someone who is like that enthusiastic, that ready like what? Any ca word of caution or encouragement? Like, hey, do it. Or would you say, hey, maybe it's. I would say, make sure you're called to it, hmm. right? I, I believe calling Trump's experience, calling Trump's everything, and so I believe I was called to this, and that's not just a, a high horse I like to stand on, but it it helped me know that when times got tough, God, you called me to this, so you will yep. get me through it. If I didn't have that strong sense of calling there were times I probably would have thrown in the towel because it was too much. And there were times where I was overwhelmed and I, I probably would have wanted to run for the hills. And so for that young senior pastor who says, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I'd say, great, if you're called to it. And if yeah. you're not, then I'd say, tread carefully because it is a beast yeah. and it can chew people out and spit them out if you're not divinely prepared and called. Right, right. If you're not, uh, if you don't have these kind of markers along the way. And yes. you had some markers along yep. the way that were like, okay, yep. maybe the, the, the initial training isn't there, but the calling is there. Yep. These people are there. Yep. Um, God's doing something in prodigal. Yep. What were some of those markers that you felt like vocationally just confirming, look, that God's saying, look, Matt, you're not a more mortgage broker. Yeah. You're a pastor. Yeah. What were some of those markers along the way? I mean, good question. One of the biggest ones was the, the executive leadership team at Calvary uh, approached me out of the blue one day and they said, Matt, I want to take you to lunch. And so I went out to lunch. I'll never forget it with the, the executive pastor, Eric Wakeling. And he takes me to this really nice restaurant and I'm starting to get a little suspicious. Like what's, what's about to happen? And he said, Calvary wants to plant a church and I'm sitting there across the table saying, okay, good for you guys. Like I'll be praying for you. <laughs> and he said, and we think we want, and we want you to be part of it. And I'm thinking, what? Okay. Maybe I'm going to help with youth. Maybe they're going to have me do some worship. And then he got serious and he said, I want you to consider about praying about being the actual pastor of this church. Mm. I'll never get the moment my jaw dropped to the table. I actually started to shake noticeably. He made a joke like, you know, you're trembling, right? And I kind of hid my hand. No, I'm not. I'm cool in this moment. But I, I tell people, like, I believe that was one of the moments where God used somebody to say, Matt, I have a calling for your life. Yeah. Because I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a pastor, nor did I grow up wanting to be a pastor. But yet it seemed like every couple years I would have these people who would speak life into me and say, Matt, mm -hmm. when I pray, 
I get the sense that you're supposed to do this. And that happened every couple of years. Even when I was in the mortgage industry, people would say, Matt, I feel like you're supposed to be a pastor. No, no, stop it. Not even close. Like I just, I don't want that life. And so it got to a point where I felt like the, mm. the voice was so loud. Yeah. I could no longer, uh, ignore, ignore it. it. Yeah. Oh gosh. Exactly. Well, that's, and now you guys are, um, you were originally meeting in Irvine. Well, yep. I guess you're still in Irvine. Technically still Technically in Irvine. Technically still in Irvine, but you moved from a school to a movie theater. Yes. Let's just, so I don't want to, I don't want to just talk church plant. I, let's just, let's, let's go to the teaching side of stuff. Yep. What's the difference between teaching, like setting up church and teaching in a middle school auditorium in a suburban neighborhood yep. to setting up in a movie theater? Yep. Um, where people are coming in to watch movies while yep. you guys are, are worshiping. Yep. Um, and it's a good point. I mean, I tell our team that from the second we arrive at 7 a.m., like we are being witnesses and we are being lights for Jesus. And so we can't be rude to the people who are going to see movies and we can't bump into them. We have to greet them and love them. So essentially, I like it because it gives us greater opportunities to really shine light and yeah. spread love. So it's a beautiful thing that while we're setting up, people come up to us and say, what are you doing? And I say, oh, we're setting up for church in theater number seven. And everybody says, wait, there's a church here? And it's just awesome, the okay. dialogue we get to have. So the setup is about the same. Both of it's hard work. We're sweating. We're full on running around for a couple hours before church. But the beautiful part is uh, we get to have more conversations with people while we're setting up at the theater now versus yeah. when we did at the school. And when you stand in the in the pulpit, yep. and you now you're kind of looking up a little yeah. bit more yeah, than so looking out. Yeah. Yep. That's a you you like that feel a little bit more. Does it have is there more ener energy? Is how are the energy levels in compared in comparison between the, the, the church or the school auditorium and the movie theater? The school auditorium allowed me to get closer. So I, I could really get right up into that front row and I'd be a foot away. The movie theater, there is some space. You know, there's comfier seats, so there's people more likely to doze off in my sermons. <laughs> So I have to fight that challenge in the movie theater. So I throw popcorn at them if they start to fall asleep on me. Do people bring in like big drinks and put them in the cup holders <laughs> there? I mean, that's pretty. They, good. they bring the Vendi, the Starbucks. Oh, yeah, okay. That's usually the that's drink nice. Of I mean, that is that is nice. All right, so let's talk a little bit of just teaching, teaching yeah. prep. Yep. So you get thrust into this role, reluctant mm -hmm. pastor, but called. Yep. Um, but no, like undergrad, nope. Bible school training, nope. no seminary training. Nope. And so that's a pretty big learning curve in mm -hmm. terms of, of, and we've talked a little bit about that, and we've talked a little bit about seminary, but yep. um, what were some of the things that that you leaned on, some of the resources or maybe some people that you leaned on early on as you started to think about, okay, we've got we to teach something every week Yeah. Um, in terms of planning, in terms of the long-term plan of a teaching plan or team or whatever that was. So who, yep. who were some of the people? What were some of the things that were helpful in those early days? Um, I mean, that's one of the great things about still being connected with Calvary is that that was a resource right there. So getting to talk with the executive team, getting to talk with some of the pastors of, hey, what would... How do you make a teaching schedule? What does it look like? How far out do you plan? Do I go week to week? Do I go month to month? And so they helped me really with a lot of the big picture structure of what to do. And for me, you know, we are, we're a church filled with, uh, you know, baby Christians, I'd say, you know, a lot of people who are new to the faith. And so for me, I knew I wanted to start with the basics and mm -hmm. I wanted to start with the person of Jesus Christ. And so from there, it, 
that was a good launching pad of spending the first couple months just talking about who Jesus is and what he's about and what he means in today's world. And then we slowly just started to move on okay. from there. Was that mostly then uh, those first couple months in a gospel or was it more topical? I guess this is a good, this is a question. Yep. Would be, are, do you find yourself doing more expository, like book by book? Yep. Or do you find yourself doing more kind of topic by topic? We usually alternate. Okay. So we'll usually do a book, then we'll do a topical series, then we'll okay. do a book. So I try to keep the balance kind of every other. Right. Okay. That's how we do it. So early early on, was it a gospel or was it topical? It was the gospel. Okay. Yep. All right. And which which gospel were you doing that first? It was John. Okay. Did John, John's a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to go wrong. John sometimes will preach itself, so yeah. that's... It makes my job very easy. <laughs> I chose it. It helped me out. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, when you... So you had some, you, you got a, a teaching schedule down. Yep. And um, and then you set out to begin to prepare messages. And yep. you had a year or a, a few a number of months yep. where you were practicing at least once or twice a month yep. to get something going. What sort of rhythm weekly, a weekly rhythm, is most helpful to you? Like what is your, what is kind of your Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday all the way up to Sunday, what does that kind of look like for you in terms of your secret sauce of getting from passage to message? Yeah, um, so on Mondays are my day off, so I don't work Mondays. Then Tuesday, it's usually jam-packed with meetings, so I'm actually not doing a ton of sermon prep on Tuesdays. That's okay. meeting with my children's director, my worship team, my small groups, pretty much all packed with meetings. Then Wednesdays, where I really start to make some solid progress. I'd say there's about four hours in that Wednesday morning that I block off to really dive into the text and start to plan it. And then by the end of Thursday, my goal is to have it written uh, completely done. Okay. So usually between Wednesday and Thursday, if I do about four hours in the morning Wednesday and I do a solid 75% of the day Thursday, um, then I'd like to have it completed by Friday. But even that, I know what I'm talking on. And so every week I'm kicking around ideas in my right. head. I'm thinking of stories. It's hard I'm to not, it's, I'm, it's it's hard not. To not yeah. think about it. So it's not fair to say that Wednesday would be the first day I've started thinking about my sermon. Right. I've been having ideas. Wednesday is the first day I put pen and paper together. Okay. Okay. Type of thing. And what are you using when you do look at the text of scripture? Yep. Are you using multiple translations, paper, Bible? Are you using uh, Bible software, computer? Like, what are you using to look at the text? Yep. I usually have about eight different Bible gateway tabs open okay. at any time, uh, just because it's quicker than flipping through the actual <laughs> right. Bible. So that helps me out. Um, when I'm just understanding the text and reading through it, I will read through multiple translations just to see, are there any words that are jumping out to me? Is there any... Is there something that I might have missed reading it in this translation that now I have a greater understanding in this translation? Um, I love uh, blueletterbible.org. Yep. That really helps me out to kind of understand certain key words and certain phrases and maybe the original meaning and original intent. So I definitely pair Bible Gateway with a Blue Letter Bible, um, and that's for the online. And then for every sermon series, you know, I've got at least one or two commentary books yeah. that will really help me again kind of create my talk. Yeah. So after you've spent your time in the text, now you go to these secondary resources yep. like commentaries. Exactly. So when you were doing if, if you remember back to John, well what I, I think you you're doing first John right now. Yep. Right. And you just fit and then you finished a something about 
direction or about yep. guidance? Divine direction series. Divine direction. Yep. So with the divine direction series, yep. what were some of the, the commentaries or some of those secondary resources that you were going to that were mo- most helpful for that? Oh, there wasn't, that was a, not you, I guess not a sermon series I created, but there wasn't like a book that had divine direction. Right. So I would say it was just individual. We, we were in the process of moving as a church. Okay. And so I wanted to show people that God is in the moving business. Okay. And for thousands <laughs> that's a great, of years, that's a great line. Right? God, God is, is in the in moving, the moving business. business. And so we were going through scripture, showing examples of how God moved a person or a group of people to a new location. So, you know, we would look at, um, you know, God moving the Israelites around, God moving all these different people. So basically each week I'd look at a different character. And so there wasn't one commentary that I used for that. It was just depending on who we're talking about that week, I would dive into that person, that context and so on. That sounds like the book, the book, next book you're going to write is God is in the moving business. And (laughs) then you just bring that, all that stuff in. (laughs) Yep, exactly. That's good stuff. (laughs) Now with first John, are you, do you have a, like kind of a go-to commentary that, that you're, uh, enjoying? Yeah, I'm reading. It's Be Real by Warren W. Wearsby. Oh, Warren, the the B series. Yes, the B series. Right. So this has been helpful. That's been one of my. That's probably been one of my main ones that I've used. We're only three weeks in. Yeah. So right. so uh, finding our footing, but that's been a helpful resource. Okay. Is there anything? So with with First John, is there anything that has stood out or surprised you about First John, as you've kind of moved through these first, just the the initial stuff? First John can be a little. I mean, it kind of recycles itself a yes, lot. Totally. But is there anything that has kind of stood out or kind of sunk down for you in First John? I I really loved First John chapter one, where it really talked about confession and living in the light. And the verse that really impacted me is as if uh, right if we forg- if we confess our sins, He is faithful to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I love the aspect that confession leads to long-term healing, Mm. right? That cleansing to me, it's when we confess, we're not only forgiven, which we are, but we actually begin the healing process of hopefully having that desire slowly removed and having that wounding slowly healed. And so I think that stuck out to me in our Mm. congregation. I think we were really moved by, hey, we need to step into confession, not Mm. only for the forgiveness aspect, but again, so that we can begin receiving healing and long-term cleansing. And so that that's something that's been on my mind ever Uh, since we preached on that a couple weeks ago that I've really uh really been loving it is interesting how certain things just kind of they linger yeah you know they kind of linger and um and certainly first john you're it's going to recycle so you're yeah. gonna it, you'll come back to to some of this stuff too yeah um hit rewind a little bit and we, as we go back and we think about you moving into this lead role mm-hmm. and um were there other were there other pastors that you had seen kind of whether it was growing up or that you had listened to podcasts, whatever that, um, that you would thought, okay, that's the sort of voice that I'm looking for because I would imagine you're still in the process of finding your voice. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, even for, for myself, I've been, I've been preaching and teaching for 15, 20 years. I still, I feel like I've got, I'm I'm pretty dialed in, but there's still a sense in which I I'm growing. Yep. But, on the early part of your ministry and yep. teaching career, um, did you have kind of an aspiration in terms of like, this is what I want to kind of aim for? Yeah. I, I think for me, one of the big things is just, I want to always be authentic, 
Right. So not having the education, I didn't want to pretend to be someone that I'm not. And I didn't want to show up with some glasses and a nice sweater and try to pretend to be some institutional. Are you saying <laughs> that you have to wear sweater vests no, and glasses? I'm, I'm not I'm saying not, that no at all. all. I'm right, not right. saying that at Fair all. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was, I knew I was called to be authentic. Yeah. And so that looks like a lot of different ways. I try not to position myself as somebody who's different than the people I'm talking to that the the issues that the scripture and the issues that I'm preaching I'm not immune to them and so I think that's been a real emphasis of mine that I want to preach from a place of authenticity of this is who I am these are my shortfalls this is what I'm passionate about and we are on a journey of finding Jesus together. together. I haven't found it, and now I'm showing you. I'm saying let's journey towards him together. Yeah. And so I've always just appreciated pastors who come across authentic, mm-hmm. who I believe if I bumped into them in a hallway, they'd be the same way that they are on stage. And my always desire is that if someone who gets to know me says, preaching Matt, Pastor Matt is the same Matt that you get while you're watching a Laker game. And so my pastors that I always looked up to were ones who I just felt like had no facades, were not afraid to confess themselves, were not afraid to say I screwed up in this area, would say I'm wrestling with this passage. To be honest, this passage, I don't get it, and I'm still struggling. I just always admired that because I think it's very easy for us to want to pretend that we know it all. Yeah. And I know that that's just not me. And so I've tried to Lead, my voice, I hopefully would just be an authentic one. Yeah. Do you feel like you're you're kind of leaning into that? Like, do you feel yeah. like that's a, a natural? You don't have to manufacture yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the exact opposite. Yeah. But I mean, I think in the beginning, I was so afraid to tell people my age, or I was so afraid to tell people about my background because I I was afraid that they would leave. But then you you realize that you you have people there then who aren't there for the real you, right. and so then God just put on my heart that. God knew my background. God knows my age. God knows who I am. And so if God is not embarrassed to have called me a pastor, then I shouldn't be either. Yeah, absolutely. That's and so I word. have been leaning into it of like, hey, this is what I am. This is who I am. And I, I feel like we're in a much healthier place. Now, I personally am in a healthier place once I've accepted my reality. Yeah, I, I mean, talk about <laughs> accepting the reality of a yeah. calling Yeah, is... Um, I mean, just saying, okay, this is what it is, and yeah. here, here we go. Like, I used to be embarrassed to tell people what I did for a profession because the very first question would be, you're too young to be a pastor. And it just got into this entire thing, And but it was it was birthed from an insecurity. Uh. And so it's just, it's been it's been healing to see the growth that God has done to me over these three years. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of what I do. I'm yeah. not ashamed of how old I am and so off. So it's yeah. been good. Now, w- with that in mind, and I think it's awesome that that idea of finding vocation. Yep leaning into it and yep. saying i'm not ashamed of it I, yep. you know if, if you don't like who who i am what we're doing here yep. my age yep. whatever like there's lots of churches yep. you'll find one <laughs> um but now that you're kind of you're, you feel a, a little more settled yep what do you think are your next steps of professional development because there's going to be a lot of people listening to the podcast totally students young pastors associate pastors whether you preach once a year or a couple times a month or, or something like that but Everybody needs growth. Everybody's a yep. growing person and being a totally. growing pastor. Yep. Um, what do you look at as maybe your next steps of professional development? Yeah, I I know I want to work on being more clear. Um, it's a harsh reality, but if you ever want to put yourself to the test, you know, I'll meet with my worship pastor two or three days after Sunday, and I'll ask him, "Hey, what what was the sermon about?" <laughs> 
And I'll tell you what, that's a tough thing because I seriously sometimes would see him go, um, I remember it was really good. And I remember I liked it. And I'd say, can you tell me something about it? And, you know, man, I'm just, I, I can't right now. And to me, I took that as, you know what, that's, I, I can learn from that because I want to be more clear. Okay. I want to be, I want to make sure that if I ask somebody what the sermon was four or five days later, they can tell me one point about yeah. it. And so I think for me, I want to continue to grow in becoming more clear as a communicator that giving the people who are listening something to hold on to, mm-hmm. one tangible thing to take with them. Um, because like I said, there are some tough eye-opening moments. So I'd ask people, yeah. and they'd say, I liked it. What'd you like about it? Oh, I don't know if I remember. I was like, oh yeah. man. Have you gone back and listened to any of your old messages? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what's that like? Oof. It's tough. <laughs> It's tough. I mean, I'm probably going to listen to this podcast and hate it too. Like, I think we're always most <laughs> critical of each other. Um, we used to just audio record our sermons, okay. and then we transitioned to video recording. Uh, Which video is, is even double, worse. Double, double. Because then I'm just like, why are my hands? What am I doing? I, yeah. So, but it is it is extremely helpful. Yep, it is extremely helpful, and I, that's why I'm doing it. So I yeah. put myself through yeah. the punishment and torture yeah. of listening to my nasally high-pitched voice and my awkward movements, but I truly try to say, this is going to help me. It's your unique voice. There we Matt. go. It's your unique <laughs> voice. But it is. It's, and I think, every, I think every teacher, preacher needs to have a means of evaluation yes um otherwise you know you could preach yourself right out of a congregation totally or you know you have such a um you know people have to kind of oh well that's just matt that's yeah how. but you want no. you want to make it easy grow. to peep for people yep. to hear yep. and to listen yep you don't necessarily want to make people entirely comfortable but you want to make them able yep. to listen and hear yep and that means asking your worship yep. leader and and being able to hear the answer. Yep. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a sports nut. And so I always, you know, the athletes I look up to, they always watch film. Mm-hmm. And they do it because they say watching film is the best way to improve your game. I should have gone right, and instead I went left. Mm-hmm. And I should have pulled up for a jump shot, yet instead I passed the ball. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what I'm trying to view when I watch myself preaching. I should have paused. Dang it. Yeah. Why did I rush so quickly into the other point? I should have paused and really let that message sink in. Yeah. Or you know what? Even my tone right there didn't fit with what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So I I do I am able to analyze it and it is helpful yeah. so I encourage anybody if they're afraid of listening to themselves I'm with you I empathize yeah. I affirm how difficult it is but it has been very helpful for yeah. me how does your goal of wanting to be more clear yep how does that then change your prep and as you're writing and yes. putting the sermon together so I, I read a book that was really helpful to me and it was Andy Stanley communicating for a change mm-hmm. And his uh, sum up the whole book, right? He is basically, you got to have one point sermons, one point sermons, one point sermons. And so that's been helpful for me in my journey to become more clear. And so when I'm doing my prep now, I really start with the one big point. Matt, what's the one takeaway? If anything you want them to leave with, what is it? And I'll write that down. And then like a puzzle, everything supports that one phrase that one point so my illustrations my personal stories everything should hopefully reinforce that singular point and so that's been helpful so my prep instead of saying what are the three things i want them to take away right i really try to say what's the one thing matt that you want you believe god wants to speak to them let's say this and let's say it again and let's say it in a different way and let's be creative with an illustration Mm -hmm. so my prep has been more centralized and focused on one point nice when did you when did you make that shift? Probably about a year and a half ago. Okay. So my my first year, I was still doing the four point sermons. No offense to those who no, are. I get it. You probably might, you can rock it. I can't. 
And so I was doing four or five point sermons and then you ask people and then yeah. go, maybe they can come up and remember one of the points. Right. And then I said, then why do I waste all the time right. prepping four if you're only going to remember one? And so slowly I've been cutting back. Yeah. No, that was, I, I, I preached this last Sunday and it was like Saturday night and I'm like, man, it's just too much. It's too much. It's yeah. too much. And you know, I probably had bitten off more than I can chew. Yep. And, um, it's just, okay, what is what is the one thing? Yep. And I think that's a good thing if you ever get stuck, is yep. just to say, all right, what is the one thing? Yep. And then you look back in your sermon, you say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with that one thing. Yep. That doesn't have anything to do with that one yes. thing. And it's just, it makes the editing process, yes. it gives you some teeth yep. to go through and to edit. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, the power is in the deleted word. That you actually make your sermon more powerful when you delete things. Mm. And if you have the courage to delete points, good points, yeah. it'll actually make your other points great. Yeah. So I always tell myself, what, how can I delete words to increase the effectiveness? Yeah, that is. And a lot of writers will talk about, you know, the like just not uh, just writer writers. Yeah. We'll talk about you got to kill your darlings. Yeah. You know, you got to. Totally. If thing. you love it, you probably need to kill it. Yep. And prune it away yep. so you can get to what, what's really important and what you need to do. Yep. Man, this is good. This is good. And it's good to talk because, you know, you're right in the middle of yeah. learning the craft. Yeah. It's not, you yeah. know, and I think that in the middle of learning the craft, there can be some haze, yep. but there also can be some clarity about, I need to do this or I need yep. to do this. Yep. What sort of other things do you feel like? I mean, I guess what the question that I really want to ask is, um, when you go about the process yep. of preparing, yep. there are certain things that are probably really life-giving in yeah. that, that you're yeah. like, I can't wait to do that. Yep. And there are certain things that you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm, yeah. and I'll, I'd wash the dishes, I'd wash the car, I'd take the dog for a walk yep. before I do that. So what, what are the things that kind of pump you up yep. about getting a sermon ready? Yeah. And what are some of the things that put you in the fetal position? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I, I really, I do love preaching. So all of it gets me excited because I, I love to be God's mouthpiece and I truly love it. So I try to, you know, even as I'm prepping, just remember this is going to, everything I'm doing now is going to make Sunday that much better. Um, you know, for me, I love just reading the text. I love it. I'm somebody who hadn't gone to seminary, you know, so I still I just love it. I have I see with fresh eyes every week. I'm excited to mm. learn. I view it not from a perspective as I know this, but I truly view it as I don't God. So illuminate the passage to me. And so I really yeah. like that first time that you get to read it. That's and that's that is a. I would just say this. Like that's one thing. I think you've got going as a young pastor. I think every young pastor does yeah. is that this isn't the third, fourth, no. fifth time you've come to this passage. No. So there's, there's a great sense of bringing wonder yes. to a passage, yes. fresh discovery. Yes. Like you said it perfectly. Everything we preach on is probably the first time I've ever preached on. This is the first time I've preached on first John divine direction is the first time. I preached. So it truly, I get to approach it from an excited kid of God. I don't know where this is going to go. And also because my, you could say my biblical education, I don't even know fully where First John's going to take me exactly before you start it, you know? Right, and, right. And I just love approaching it that way of God. I'm excited to explore this with you. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, I invite you in before I ever even open the page. I pray that, yeah. that everything that would be formulated would be from you. And so I open up that text with an expectation that 
this is going to be exciting and we're going to journey. So I think I really love that aspect. Um, you know, I, I hold myself to pretty high standards where I memorize all my talks. Okay. And so that takes some prep. And yeah. so I have to run through it maybe two or three times. And sometimes that can be a little tiring. Yeah. <laughs> so if you said, what's about you don't like the most is just, hey, having the discipline, flip over the notes, Matt, can you do it all without looking? And, uh, you know, getting to that point can right. it's tough. It's a tough, but I, it helps. It's beneficial. Yeah. Do you manuscript or are you just looking at like bullet points? I'm looking at probably five mini bullet point segments. Okay. So first section is going to have three bullet points. Second section is going to have three bullet points. Okay. Third section is going to have three bullet points. And I, then I, I shut my eyes and go, okay, the second section, what are the three bullet points? Okay, the fourth section, what are the three bullet points? Okay. So I'm, I'm not writing that word for word. Okay. My jokes aren't actually written out. It's all, if you looked at my notes, you'd say, this is an eight-minute talk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because there's a lot of other things that I know I'm going to say. Right. And, and that... So you're memorizing yep. an outline, essentially. Yes. Yeah, you're memorizing an outline, but yep. you know you've got these these bullet points that you're hanging a yes. bunch of things that on. That lead me to the next one. Right. Lead me to the next one. Right. Lead me to the next that's one. Always a, I think that's a helpful thing for me as well. I mean, usually if I I kind of do a mix of, of many, there's some things I want to say word for word, yep. and I'll write all that stuff out. Yep. But generally I'll have kind of chunks nice. um, along the way. And I usually, if I've got five pages of notes, yep. I know that, I know that that's going to be about 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, um, exactly. But if, if I get stuck, I'll just say I need to write it out on one page. Yeah. Just give me it on one page. Yep. And that makes me kind of focuses. So that's a helpful. I think that's a good. Yep. A good thing to uh, to do. Yeah. Um, so practicing. Yeah. Is the thing that you're like. Yeah. Yeah. I need people here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sometimes I'll run things by my my wife, like babe. And does this work? Cause I'm practicing, yeah. and just I hate doing my sermon yeah. in front of one person. Yeah. It's so awkward. Yeah. I'll like I'll tell her certain things, and so practicing is probably the part that I go. I don't love it. That was you know um, David Ludwig. We have uh, there's an episode on here. I can't remember which one it was. He's at Palm Desert Presby- Community Presbyterian. Yeah, and he um, he speaks his sermon into his iPhone. Yeah, and then he goes on a walk. And okay. he listens to it. Nice. And um, I did that. I, I had never done that, yeah. but I did it because he had said it, it worked for him. And it was really helpful. Yeah. It was really helpful That's to actually, um, because I don't like to practice, but there's something about, oh, I'll use a little technology. That'll excite me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Technology excites me, yeah. but practicing into thin air doesn't yeah. excite me. No, that's good. And so that was really helpful to me is if I can incorporate some technology into practice, yep. then okay. I, that, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I like and that. then, you know, I'll just delete that and, and yep. then, uh, eventually, and, and then hopefully it'll sound better. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I <laughs> might have Sunday to recording. Yeah. I might have to give that a try. I like yeah. that. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's lots of good, good things like that. Mm-hmm. What, anything else that kind of like, you seem like you get invigorated by people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, it's one of my favorite parts of being a pastor is I do, I love the Sunday morning experience, yeah. right? I love actually doing the preaching, but I love, equally sticking around after and hugging people asking how their weeks are how can i pray for you i truly love that aspect yeah yeah now when um in your time as a lead pastor as a pastor um has there been a series or a or a book that you kind of look back on and think man god really met me or met our congregation like there was something 
obviously God is meeting us every week, but there was something special going yeah. on in that. Yes, absolutely. Um, again, not to keep saying referencing books, but it was a book by John Mark Comer called God Has a Name. Mm-hmm. And I read that maybe a couple years ago, and it really had an impact on me. And I just, we decided to turn that into, uh, kind of turn it into a teaching series. It's all on Exodus chapter 34, mm. this conversation with God and with Moses, where God basically shares his name, but also his characteristics of who he is. Mm. And it blew me away what God has to say, what the text means. And I think our entire church, it was a journey on why don't we let, give God the mic and why don't we let mm. him tell us what he's like? We all have these ideas. We all have these thoughts. Let's give him the floor. And I think we approached it from a stance of let's all start at zero and let's hopefully leave this series with a new understanding of God. And I think it was a combination of the text itself mixed with the willingness of our church to hit the reset button and allow God to formulate our opinions of him. It blew us away. And Mm -hmm. I think if you'd ask our congregation, they'd all say, man, that that was impactful for me. That stands out. A great combination of Huge. scripture yep. circumstances yes. people's hearts are ready yes it would just stars aligned man what what in particular in that passage you were you were saying before this passage in Exodus 34 yep. 6 the lord passed before him and proclaimed the lord the lord or yahweh yahweh a god merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness yes keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression yep. and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty yep I mean, there's the, every single one of those lines has an impact on me. I think one of the ones that really stood out is when he says, I, the Lord, am compassionate and merciful God. Forgive me. I'm going to forget the Hebrew word. But the compassionate, I remember uh, it had the root, same root word of the way a mother would feel while she's breastfeeding her child. Huh. And so this was at the exact same time that my wife and I had our first child. And so I was sitting there thinking the way that I view my daughter, when I put her close to my chest and I look upon her, that when the Lord says, I am compassionate, what he's saying is I view you like you view your daughter, Matt. And I gaze upon you and I hold you close to my chest. And I think it just, the fatherly aspect of God was just illuminated. Mm -hmm. And I I forever, and I mean, I don't mean that, I forever have been changed by that. That God, you view me through a compassionate lens and not a pitiful lens, mm. but you view me like an infant mm. that you want to keep close to your chest. Mm. And so that that blew me away. Man, uh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. Isn't it? It's just so awesome the way God will meet us in his word. Yeah. Um, and some of these passages then get tied to a, a time and a place yes. in our lives. Yes. That we go back and we'll be like, oh, I remember that. Yes. And like, and you know. And then he might come back with the same passage yep. another time. Yep. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Man, man, I love what you're doing. I love what I love the partnership that you have with Calvary. Mm. I love what you're doing at Prodigal. We talked about your yep. move and how yep. that seems to be this rejuvenating yes, time for the great. church. And um, I love that you're a reluctant pastor. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to say it. It's I mean, there's yep. there, it's a great it's a great story. Yep. And I'm just looking forward to seeing and just seeing your development over the years and continuing to do this. But this is a great conversation. I really think this is a helpful conversation for lots of people who are listening hmm. because not everybody has been a pastor for 20 years yeah. and or or the idea of professional development, what yeah. this might look like. So I really think that this is a really fresh, good conversation 
that is going to help a lot of people. So thanks so much for being my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Thank yeah. you. If people want to hear any of your messages, yep. where could they go? Prodigal.church. Okay. That's our website. And there's a tab that says uh, watch and listen. Okay. Click the tab. You'll see every sermon we've ever done. Okay. Fantastic. We'll put it yep. all in the show notes. We'll put the Andy Stanley book in the show notes. Uh, we'll put the Exodus 34 uh, book in the show notes. Yep. And um, and anything that you they might need as a listener, you can get in the show notes and um, and check Matt out at prodigal dot church church prodigal dot church. No Very dot simple, can't beat that. All right, very good. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Take care. All right. Hey, hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt Hemphill. If you'd like to listen to some of Matt's messages, you can do so at prodigaloc.org or prodigaloc.church. You could click on the sermons banner, and that'll take you to a page uh, where all of the recent and uh, archived sermons are there from the church. Um, There are a few resources that came up in the episode. A couple of them are online free resources, Bible Gateway and Blue Letter Bible. Those are both free resources online that might aid in just looking at the text of Scripture while you're preparing messages. There's some nice... Um, functionality in those and and some transparency back to original languages if you don't have that sort of training or resources. So take a look at those. Also, Warren Wearsby's series, the B series, came up, and um, there's a link there to Amazon for the whole series, Um, a lot of Bible resources. And um, yeah, it covers the gamut of whether it's themes or books of the Bible. Um, Take a look at that. Also, Andy Stanley's book, Communicating for a Change. This is not the first time this book has been mentioned on the podcast. So I would highly recommend going out, getting it, do some professional development, um, watch a little tape on yourself, um, work on the craft. That I think that would be helpful. Also, John Mark Comer's book, God Has a Name, which um, Matt was mentioning, uh, that book had a really significant role in the life of Prodigal, and uh, perhaps it could for your church as well. Anyhow, uh, if you'd like to help out the Teaching Pastor podcast, we are so grateful that you're listening. We actually last month just hit um, over 2,000 downloads, so not bad since the uh, the end of last year to now. Um, A modest beginning, but certainly um, a lot of fun and totally enjoying having these conversations and letting you all be a fly on the wall for them. Um, But the best way that you can help the podcast is share this episode, or any other episode that you like, share it on your social media platform, and um, let's just get the word out. And uh, look, we just want to be, I I really am doing this because I want this to be valuable to people who are working on the craft of taking passages of the Bible and presenting them before people. It's a craft. uh, It's not a science. It's both an art and a science, but Uh, It has its own conversation, and hopefully these conversations are reflecting um, kind of the the nuances of what just those who are practitioners are doing. So anyway, I hope you're enjoying this, but um, until next time, this is Craig Hill, and this is the Teaching Pastor Podcast. Fades away, I want to hear the good Lord say, well.